Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. The Healthcare Sterile Processing Association, HSPA, invites you to log on, listen and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome to the Process This Podcast. This is episode number 60. Thanks for joining me. I hope you are doing well. Today on the show, we are talking all things ST91. So we're going to look at some of the new changes that you can expect from the newly revised standard. Before we get into ST91, if you are an HSPA member and you are in good standing then guess what? You are able to vote for the nominees for the board of directors for HSPA. You need to cast your vote. If you haven't already, you need to cast your vote prior to April 6th. So make your vote count. Now, I just came from the AORN conference and expo. I had a really great time. You know, I got to listen to some educational sessions. I got to meet some folks at our booth, the HSPA booth in the Expo Hall. I was really surprised by how much I missed the conference. You know, I was really surprised by how much I just missed the people, uh, the education. You know, for a while there, while I was at the conference, things felt normal. Things just felt right. One of the highlights of the conference for me, and this is just me, was looking at the poster presentations. And I don't think most people really understand the value of the poster presentation. There are so many posters with process improvements that folks have gone through. You know, they've gone through these processes in their department, they've made improvements, and it really gives you this great insight on how you can make changes in processes in your department. I guess what I'm trying to say here is that if you have the opportunity, if you have the means, if you are able to make it to HSPA conference in April, I strongly recommend that you make every effort to join me in San Antonio. You know, not only are there gonna be great posters to view, there's a great educational lineup. I'm really excited about it. It's packed full of information that you need to know. And last but not least, you know, the expo floor is going to be awesome. There's going to be so much stuff for you to look at, so many things for you to get your hands on, you know, so many things for you to think about in your own department. So it's not too late to register. Pull the trigger, make it happen. You know why? Because you're worth it. So join me in San Antonio at the end of April. Today, we are reviewing the Inside Washington article in the Process Magazine produced by HSPA, the March-April 2020 edition. Now, the title of this article is Amy Releases Updated ST91, Flexible and Semi-Rigid Endoscope Processing in Healthcare Facilities. Now, this uh, ST91 update is five years 
in the making and was recently released and now is in print and available for you. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read this article, and this article was written by my colleague, Sue Klasik, one of the clinical educators at HSPA. Now, the article reads, The Association for the Advancement of Medical Instrumentation, AMI, released the updated ANSI AMI ST79-2021 Flexible and Semi-Rigid Endoscope Processing in Healthcare Facilities. The revised document reflects current research and advancements in flexible endoscope processing. What follows is an abbreviated summary of some of the key revisions and additions in that document. So research has shown there have been multi-drug resistant organisms, infectious outbreaks related to flexible endoscopes, and there's no surprise there. Review of the processes and procedures used to reprocess these complex and sophisticated devices reveal failures in reprocessing steps that could jeopardize patient safety. In fact, multiple peer-reviewed publications in several countries, including the U.S., have documented breaches in processing that led to patient exposures to improperly processed flexible and semi-rigid endoscopes and subsequent infections. Now, mitigating these risks hinges on proper care and handling from the point of use through all processing steps, which include complete drying after high-level disinfection, and then safe transport of devices for patient use. Proper cleaning of flexible endoscopes is critically important. The revised ST91 includes additional recommendations for decontamination sinks, Three sinks are ideal, according to the standard, one sink used for leak testing, another for manual cleaning, and the third for critical rinsing. At this time, however, two sinks or one sink with separate basins may be used. There should also be additional space provided for delayed reprocessing, sink sizes and locations, flushing accessories and ergonomics are all important considerations to facilitate effective cleaning as well as employee safety. Sink size can affect processing because tight coiling of endoscopes can damage its components, including image or light bundles, internal channels, tubes, and angulation wires. Using ergonomic height adjustable sinks helps personnel avoid bending over performing cleaning task. Sinks located too high or too low increase the risk of back injury or strain. Training competencies certification recommendations. So it is recommended that all personnel performing endoscope processing duties complete formal training and competency verification in all steps of endoscope processing prior to their first solo assignment to perform these tasks. Additionally, the standard recommends that all personnel performing endoscope processing should be certified in flexible endoscope processing within two years of employment and should maintain certification 
throughout their employment. Next section, transitioning to sterilization. To provide a higher level of assurance, evidence supports the sterilization of all flexible endoscopes, including those used in both semi-critical and critical procedures. Factors supporting this transition include high microbial load after patient procedures, the complex design of the endoscope, and the risk for biofilm formation on these devices. Sterilization can reduce this risk because of the greater margin of safety in the overkill process, and it provides a sterile packaged endoscope. High-level disinfection is a multi-step process that is expected to inactivate most pathogenic bacteria, viruses, and fungi. However, it may not reliably inactivate certain types of microorganisms, including bacterial spores. The ST91 Standards Committee recognizes that transitioning from high-level disinfection to sterilization as the standard of care will take time in terms of endoscope and sterilizer manufacturers implementing necessary technological advances for healthcare facilities to provide for budgetary and site accommodations to implement those changes. The standard also recommends healthcare facilities begin making the necessary steps towards sterilization for flexible endoscopes when possible. Other considerations uh, for the environment, HVAC monitoring, water quality, and point of use treatment. Just as the environmental requirements were changed in the 2020 update to ANSI AME ST79, Comprehensive Guide to Steam Sterilization, they have also changed in ST91. It is also recommended that the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning HVAC operating parameters in the endoscope reprocessing area comply with the specifications of the ANSI ASHRAE ASHI standard, which is the standard 170, and that's ventilation of healthcare facilities. Now those were in effect when the HVAC system, as you, as we know, I've, I've said this many times, uh, it's, uh, comes in, goes into effect in your facility when the system was initially installed or last upgraded. The standard also recommends that healthcare facilities establish and implement processes for monitoring the HVAC performance parameters and have a mechanism in place for identifying and resolving variances within rooms throughout the facility where processing occurs. Now, portable fans are not permitted in the processing area other than exhaust fans on ventilation systems and installed and operational fume-controlled hoods. The facility's engineering personnel or designated responsible personnel should establish policies and procedures for monitoring and maintaining HVAC parameters within the processing areas. These procedures should include maintaining records of monitoring results that are retrievable either from a central system or a local log. If a variance in the HVAC parameters occurs, processing personnel in combination with a multidisciplinary team, 
such as representatives from facilities engineer, infection preventionists, risk management, endoscope, perioperative, sterile processing leadership, and other designated personnel should conduct a risk assessment. The processing department is defined by the ANSI ASHRAE 170 as a critical area. Now, evidence has shown the importance of appropriate water quality across all stages of the endoscope processing. For that reason, a new section has been added to ST91, and it's section 4.3.11, water quality. Now, this is done to ensure that the correct water quality is used in each stage of processing. The manufacturer's written instructions for use for all equipment and supplies should be used. Now, this includes endoscopes and accessories, automated endoscope reprocessors, AERs, and processing chemicals. Water quality helps prolong the life of medical devices, facilitates effective functioning, and reduces the risk of medical device contamination. The healthcare facility should monitor and control the water supply to endoscope reprocessing sinks and processing equipment. Now, whenever major repairs occur or changes to the water utility system are made, equipment qualification testing should be performed before use. Note as of right now, additional information on water quality can be found in the AMI TIR 34, which is water for reprocessing of medical devices. So maintaining a clean environment for endoscope processing reduces the risk of transmission of microorganisms. It is recommended that a multidisciplinary team be established to select cleaning chemicals, materials, tools, and equipment for use in the endoscope processing setting. Cleaning frequencies should be established for high-touch objects and surfaces, as well as storage shelves, endoscope storage cabinets, and similar objects. Terminal cleaning frequency should also be established for endoscope processing areas at a minimum daily and more often as needed. Environmental cleaning should be verified using methods such as ultraviolet light, visible markers, protein test, and ATP bioluminescence, which measures the adequacy of environmental cleaning. Pre-cleaning at the point of use has been modified to include all aspects of point of use treatment. Point of use treatment now includes handoff communication from the point of use to the decontamination area. This must include at a minimum the patient identifier, date of the procedure, time of point of use treatment was completed, and employee contact information. Now next is the expanded transport section, revisions to leak testing recommendations. So the transport section regarding used endoscopes has been expanded. One recommendation involves keeping endoscopes and accessories moist by applying a detergent designated to retain moisture, placing a towel moistened with water over the items, or placing the items inside a package designed to maintain humid conditions. 
Keeping the endoscope and accessories moist prevents organic material from drying on the surface and makes cleaning of these devices and accessories easier. Other steps in transport of use of endoscopes have been expanded to include the handoff communication from the transporter to the processing location, confirmation that the endoscope was transported correctly and all accessory parts are present, the patient identifier, the date of the procedure and time of completion of use of the device, time point of use treatment was completed, and employee contact information. Significant revisions were made regarding leak testing, including having automated leak testers placed on a calibration schedule to verify that the leak tester is producing the correct pressure. It is possible for leak testers to fail and manual handheld leak testers and leak tester tubing should be inspected for damage, leakage, and pressure output. Pressure verification should be performed for each type of leak tester in the facility each day endoscopes are used. Calibration ensures that the endoscope will be challenged with the proper pressure each time when being tested for leaks. Documentation of the leak testing results should be recorded. Some AER's endoscope reprocessors include mechanical leak testing, and the updated ST91 recommends that when using this type of AER, the endoscope and the AER manufacturer's written instructions for use must be followed and the outcome of the leak test documented. Note, uh, conducting mechanical leak testing using an AER is not a substitute for the leak testing recommended in the endoscope manufacturer's IFUs. Now, additional guidance was added for leak testing failures, including labeling the endoscope to identify it as defective equipment, removing it from service, and following facility guidelines for repair. The failure should be reported according to the organizational policy and procedures, including the endoscope product identification and traceability information. Next section is cleaning and inspection steps clarified and broadened. So significant changes were made to the cleaning section of ST91. The first change relates to the timing of the cleaning process after use. Typically the IFU contains this type of information. If there is a delay in reprocessing and the endoscope exceeds the manufacturer's recommended time, the endoscope should be cleaned following the manufacturer's written IFUs for delayed reprocessing. Section 7.6 of ST91 provides the typical cleaning flow for endoscopes, their removal of parts and endoscopic accessories. However, validated instructions may vary. It is important to ensure that cleaning is initiated in the timeframe prescribed in the IFUs. If no timeframe is given, Manual cleaning should be initiated within one hour or as determined by the facility based on its own documented risk assessment. The previous version of ST91 recommended keeping all reusable, removable parts, such as the valves and caps together. This practice has been modified in the updated version 
and it says detachable parts and valves pose unique concerns to minimize risk of transmission of infection any one of the following measures are now being recommended use of single-use biopsy port caps and single-use valves sterilization of reusable valves and caps preferably using steam sterilization when materials are compatible and then high-level disinfection of valves and caps either keeping the valves and caps together with the endoscope as a set or tracking the individual valve caps to the patient and the procedure. Another addition is ST91 now also recommends cleaning and disinfecting sinks between uses. Significant changes were made to section 7.8, inspection and cleaning verification. Recent outbreak investigations have shown that visual inspection of endoscopes can identify defects or residual contamination. An endoscope that appears clean may harbor debris that cannot be seen without magnification. Cleaning verification used after endoscope cleaning and before disinfection or sterilization may detect residual organic soil and microbial contamination present on a surface, even if a device appears clean. The use of a cleaning verification was included in the previous flexible endoscope standard. However, it did not specify how often to perform the test. The updated version recommends cleaning verification tests be performed after each use of high-risk endoscopes, notably duodenoscopes, linear ultrasound endoscopes, EUS, bronchoscopes, endobronchial ultrasound endoscopes, EBUS, ureteroscopes, cystoscopes, and others determined by the facility. The use of boroscopes is now recommended in the revised SC91. Inspection using a boroscope allows for visualization of the internal working channels to identify unacceptable damage. It is important to check the endoscope manufacturer's written instructions, these IFUs, maintenance bulletins, and other labeling for direction on what is considered a defective or damaged device. The updated standard does not specify how often boroscope inspection should occur and recommends that the frequency be determined by the facility. If a boroscope is used as a quality monitor, after disinfection and sterilization, the endoscope will need to be processed again before clinical use. As with all medical devices, the boroscope should be processed in accordance with the manufacturer's written IFUs. Now next there is a heightened focus on endoscope drying. Thorough drying has been shown to reduce the risk of microbial contamination following high level disinfection from the recontamination of the endoscope by waterborne microorganisms present during rinsing. The presence of these microorganisms in conjunction with retained moisture can lead to the development of biofilm and increase patient infection risk. Recent research has led many revisions to ST91's drying recommendations after completion of the cleaning and disinfection process. Based on evidence, it is recommended that endoscope channels be dried for a minimum of 10 minutes with pressure regulated forced instrument air or at a minimum HEPA filtered air.
If moisture is still observed, the drying time should be extended until no moisture is visible. The endoscope manufacturer's written IFU should be reviewed for the maximum PSI. Note, uh, manual drying should occur even if an AER is used and has air plunged or extended dry time features. The use of alcohol has long been recommended in the drying process after disinfection is completed, but some studies, however, have shown that alcohol can be a fixative agent. For that reason, ST91 now recommends that a multidisciplinary team, again, your infection preventionist, your endoscope and perioperative nurses, endoscope processing personnel, endoscopist, and other personnel involved conduct a risk assessment to determine whether endoscope lumens should be flushed with 70% to 90% ethyl or isopropyl alcohol. Additional language was added to ST79 section terminal sterilization by gaseous chemical sterilization process. Sterilization of endoscopes is recommended because sterilized endoscopes provide that increased safety margin over high-level disinfected endoscopes. Terminally sterilized endoscopes are completely dry, packaged, thereby reducing the chance of contamination for long periods of time, and patient safety-ready scopes. Packaged endoscopes have tamper-evident seals that clearly distinguish used endoscopes from patient-ready ones. The new recommendations were also added regarding the storage of liquid chemically sterilized endoscopes. Liquid chemically sterilized endoscopes intended for use as critical devices should not be stored with a claim of being patient ready. Instead, they should be used immediately after processing. They may also be used immediately in semi-critical applications. If endoscopes are processed using a liquid chemical sterilization method, but are not meant for immediate use, they can also be stored in the same manner as those that undergo high-level disinfection. Next is the revised storage requirements. Methods of protecting endoscopes that have undergone HLD or LCS, the liquid chemical sterilization, from damage and contamination during storage have been researched and the findings from the research result in the new recommendation in section 11.2, which is storage of high level disinfected or liquid chemically sterilized endoscopes. Two types of storage cabinets are being recommended for high level disinfection and LCS process endoscopes. Drying cabinets, which are closed cabinets designed for storage of flexible endoscopes that have circulated, HEPA filtered or instrument air through the cabinet and each endoscope channel as continuous positive pressure and conventional cabinets, which are closed cabinets that circulate HEPA filtered or instrument air through the cabinet at a continuous positive pressure, but do not include those channels. Now, there is no clear consensus at this time among professional organizations regarding which type of cabinet is best. But drying cabinets, however, have been shown in scientific studies to reduce the risk of retained moisture and microbial contamination. Endoscopes hung in the HEPA filtered storage cabinets that do not have drying capabilities should be dried prior to storage. 
The updated ST91 recommends that cabinets be located in a secure location, such as in a clean workroom and not within the endoscopic procedure room. Storage cabinets should have doors that are kept closed, and the cabinet should be located at least three feet from any sink to prevent endoscopes from becoming contaminated by water. Now, there was a recent uh, study by the Ofsted group that shows that three feet may not be enough, right? So the document recommends three feet, but as the another study has just been recently published, suggests that, you know, it may be, might need to be six feet. So you need to uh, use your multidisciplinary team to determine uh, the distance there. It is further recommended that cabinets and endoscopes be visually inspected to ensure cleanliness when the endoscope is placed into storage cabinets and also when the endoscope is removed for patient use. Storage cabinets should be cleaned following the IFUs or at least weekly and when visibly soiled. Now there are some new annexes for ST91 and let's go over those. The following annexes have been added, which is Annex A, alternatives for keeping cool in the processing environment. Annex B, purchase considerations in selecting your AERs and LCSPs. Annex C, reference material for repairs. Annex D, manufacturer's written instructions for use, conflict management. Annex E, endoscope visualization inspection which provides information and photographs of common endoscope damage. Annex F, the user verification cleaning process. Annex G, the effects of semethicone on flexible endoscopes. Annex H, safety considerations for high-level disinfection and liquid chemical sterilants. Annex I, endoscope microbiocidal methods. Annex J, endoscope storage risk assessments. And rounding out the last one here, Annex K, Endoscope Drying. So the updates to this new ST91, which I think everyone who processes any type of endoscope, again, cystoscopes, bronchoscopes, it doesn't matter if you're reprocessing scopes, you should have this document. It's available for purchase at the Amy store, which is .amy.org. Those with an electronic subscription have immediate access to the revised standard. The standard can also be uh, found at HSPA. I believe there is a member reduced rate if you purchase it from HSPA. And you can just find that on myhspa.org under the education tab clip publications. Good article. Thank you, Sue, for breaking down the new changes in ST91. Again, there's lots of things in here, lots of good information. Again, go purchase this document so that you are ready and you have all the changes at your fingertips. So that's going to do it for this article in the Inside Washington, again, in the process, March-April 2020 issue.
Well, folks, that music can mean only one thing, and that is that our time is up for today. HSPA episode number 60 is in the books. Thanks for listening to the show. To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes, log in to your My HSPA website account, make sure you use the code INSPECTION. Again, the code for this episode is INSPECTION. Remember, keep an ear out for the next episode always on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. As always, stay classy, and we'll see you next time. Music